All right. We're gonna do it the scan away. I'm gonna suck your brain dry. Testing, testing. Yes, the internet is working. It's working for the Mars Magazine podcast. This is Adario Strange here with Vic Song. And this week, we barely got to you. We had a denial of service, a distributed denial of service attack that impacted the entire internet. And we're going to talk about that. But this episode is primarily about the premiere of season three of the Netflix show, now Netflix show, Black Mirror. Uh, but first, we want to touch upon the Musk man, Elon Musk. and <laughs> Him Tesla. again. Yes, Tesla Motors. He, you know, it's not enough that he announces that he wants to go to Mars and he's going to, you know, lays out a plan for us, how, how we're going to get there. He has now announced that all Tesla vehicles will now be equipped with the sensors and the hardware to allow them to be self-driving cars. So he's essentially trying to get... Uh, I guess like a jump. He's trying to leapfrog the rest of the industry so he can get a head start. So when the self-driving car revolution happens, he's already in place. Never mind that everyone has it like slated four or five, ten years out. We're going to do it in two. Like I don't know if he's he's just like trolling the world or he's just trying to make everyone, you know, if he's trying to do an Apple where he's like, you know, Bluetooth is here, but it's not here at the level that I want it to be. So I'm just going to get rid of the headphone jack and courage everyone. This is going to be great because we're going to push progress forward faster. Mm. Like, you know, he said that he's not good at managing timelines. I don't know if I believe him anymore. I think maybe he's he's just like trying to light fires under everyone's butt mm. by saying that, like, you know, if I push the the deadline up super far, then everyone's going to scramble to try and catch up with me. And as a whole, we'll get there faster. He made it clear that these aren't ready to be self-driving cars right off the bat. But he's just saying that the cars that are rolling off the assembly line uh, will now be equipped for that functionality. And then there will be over-the-air uh, software updates that will be pushed out to the cars that will allow them to function. And so I was looking at the website. So he says, um, or not he, the company says that the systems are designed to conduct short and long distance trips with no action required by the person in the driver's seat. All you'll have to do is get in and tell the car where to go. If you don't say anything, the car will look at your calendar and take you there uh, as the assumed destination or just home if nothing is on the calendar. And the Tesla will figure out the optimal, optimal route navigate urban streets, even without lane markings, which is pretty impressive if that's, you know, if it's if they're accurate in saying that, uh, manage complex intersections with traffic lights, stop signs and roundabouts and handle densely packed freeways with cars moving at high speed. I watched the video of the self-driving Tesla in action. Did you see that? It reminded me of the videos uh, th that came out from Uber. When they were doing the when they I think they still are doing the um, the taxi, the self-driving taxis in Pittsburgh. It reminded me about that. But the difference was, I think, in this Tesla video, uh, because there is a driver in the seat. Uh, there's a short disclaimer before the video where they're like saying, well, you know, the guy is in the seat for legal reasons. He's absolutely not driving the car. And the difference is that he he very noticeably does not touch the wheel with his hands. Whereas in the Uber video, if you're watching that, 
he's very much got his hands on the wheel, and sometimes you don't know if he's just resting his hands or if he's actually driving the car. Yeah, as usual, Uber, a little shady. Not We're not completely <laughs> sure if everything's above board. So here's one thing. Speaking of Uber, this is a thing that um, Tesla posted on its website in conjunction with the announcement that I found pretty interesting. Uh, and Uber probably found this interesting as well. So they say... Uh, it's not possible to know exactly when the element, when each element of the functionality described, meaning the self-driving functionality, uh, will be available uh, as it's highly dependent on local regulatory approval. Then they go, this is the, the interesting part. Please note also that using a self-driving Tesla for car sharing and ride hailing for friends and family is fine. But doing so for revenue purposes will only be permissible on the Tesla network. Details of which will be released next year. Uh-oh. Bam. Alarms so going off at Uber. That shots fired at Uber and uh, Lyft and any other uh, car company out there. They, I think, just stealth launched um, their car sharing business. Yeah. Well, you know, I wouldn't put it past Musk to do that. Uh, they didn't release a date for when the cars will begin to roll out on the streets um, there appears to be some indication from at least a couple of the articles out there that he has a goal of 2018. Uh, but regardless, this is huge because he's not he now not only owns the or is leading the leading electric car company. And I would also say the leading smart car you know, company. But now it appears that he has maybe put himself in the lead position as the possibly leading self-driving car company. Do you bet against them? I don't think so. From there, we will move on to the topic that is on everyone's mind in the last 48 hours, which is the massive distributed denial of service attack that hit uh, many major websites, uh, most notably Twitter, uh, Spotify, a few others. It's called Mirai, which in Japanese means uh, the future. And uh, it was released by a hacker uh, by the name of An Senpai. And, um, <laughs> you know, you know what Senpai means, right? Yeah, it's like what it's what you call upperclassmen, basically. Like if you're in a school in Japanese and yeah, in Japanese, if you're like if you're in school and there's like a senior upperclassman and you're a freshman, you would call them senpai. So. Now, but do you know what the name and senpai uh, comes from? No. Okay, so I did some digging, and apparently, it's also the name of a character from an an erotic anime series called Shimoneta. Now, you probably know Shimoneta means uh, kind of like dirty joke. Actually, one of my favorite Japanese rappers, when I, the first time I ever visited Japan, his name was Shimoneta. And he basically was a dirty joke rapper. And he would come on stage and he would like disrobe and he'd have like a, a Tengu mask on his crotch, kind of like, you know, mimicking his, you know, private parts or whatever. And, um, and so anyway, so there's this erotic anime series and the character An Senpai is, as you said, like this upperclassman of this guy in the animated series. And her character is known for always trying to essentially sexually assault this guy. And it's on YouTube, by the way. This isn't like some dark web stuff. So I, I immediately found it quickly on YouTube. And you just look it up and she's like, you know, it, it's it's pretty weird stuff. Anyway, it, it just seems like all <laughs> hacking stuff somehow leads back to sex and, and pornography somehow. 
So anyway, so that happened on Friday. I mean, did you – did I miss any sites? Did you – Take notice of any oh, other sites? There's, there is Etsy, GitHub, Vox. Um, I think you mentioned Spotify, Airbnb, Netflix, Reddit, the New York Times, Bitly, Wait, wait, Facebook. the New York I Times think... was inaccessible? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Any major marquee internet site that you could think of, a, they probably were hit on some level. It was it was pretty insane. The impact was lost on me because for the last couple of days I've been offline. I mean, did you feel the effects on your end? Like just well, like, when you were trying for, to do your own thing? I, you know, I was on social media and I was like, oh, uh, you know, people aren't really posting as much as they are because I use a Twitter client. I don't necessarily go on Twitter, uh, Twitter's website itself. And I was like, oh, no one's really posting this morning. Hey, I guess <laughs> it's a really quiet morning, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? Right. And I noticed that some sites were loading slowly, but I didn't really think about it too hard. Right. So apparently the, the way this uh, malware works is that it actually took over Numerous Internet of Things devices, Internet of Things devices being, you know, your connected thermostat, your uh, your Amazon Echo, um, your routers, uh, yeah, it, all these kind of like uh, ancillary items that help you do various things that are connected to the Internet. And in some cases, you're not really aware, like if you're just kind of like a normal mainstream user and you're not kind of you know, hacking into devices or whatever. You, sometimes you forget some of these things are connected to the internet. And so apparently uh, Mirai used, you know, all of these devices and, and kind of used them kind of like as zombies to flood the internet and make it difficult to access a lot of these sites. And I think this lasted for, well, according to Dyn, which is, Dyn is actually the point of attack that the um, hackers went after. And according to Dine, there were two successful attacks and then one, like a third that was warded off. But even as we speak, like my understanding is they're still, you know, under attack. I feel like we've just turned a corner because everyone, all the security experts out there are saying, OK, well, in order to stop this from happening in the future, People need to kind of reset their passwords on their Internet of Things devices and routers, uh, in some cases reboot them. But there are two key problems here. First of all, not all routers allow access to the password panel. So some routers out there uh, simply just, you know, even if you reboot them, they'll still have that default password. So you can't fix those. And just when was the last time even a, I would say a technologically savvy person that you know went and said, oh, I need to change the password on my router? It's it's not really – it's not hard, but it's just not common. I, you know, just the idea of like a mainstream, non-tech-oriented mm-hmm. person saying, oh, I heard something's happening. I guess I'll change my password on my router. Not on my laptop, not on my smartphone, on my router. Something that people hardly ever touch, by the way. Yeah, and I was just thinking about that because, you know, when you're at home, all of the devices that connect to your Wi-Fi through your router, if you change, like, I just think it's just so inconvenient, even though you would know it would make it so much more secure if you regularly change that password. Once you change it on your router, that means you have like 20 other devices in your house that you have to update the password for. And that just level of mild inconvenience is just inconvenient enough that I think your average person would be like, nope, it's fine. I'm good. Cool. Yeah. And then what about the things like, let's say, a baby monitor? Like, how do you change that password? Like, <laughs> it's like there's no <laughs> panel. There's no screen, at least for not for most of them. If, it, if it's an Internet connected 
uh, so-called smart uh, baby monitor or, you know, treadmill or any number of, you know, like the thermostat, the Nest thermostat, the, uh, the August smart lock, all these devices. I mean, yeah, you know, some of them allow you access to change the settings, the, you know, password settings, but not all of them do. And, you know, frankly, a lot of them are geared. A lot of these devices are geared for convenience and they're, they're from their very design. They're, they're made to look like something you never have to touch again. Once you set it up, and that's actually kind of how they promote a lot of smart home devices is once you set it up, boom, you're done. You never have to touch this again. And so if you tell all these people, you know, who've purchased these smart devices for their smart home, now you have to maintain the security on these devices in the same way that you would on your smartphone and your laptop. And let's be honest, most people don't maintain the security on those devices that rigorously. I mean, if you tell them that, I mean, yeah, they're not going to do it. It's just really difficult because every every now and then you realize that you have to like the IT department will come to you and be like you have to update your password, and then you update that and it takes you a while to remember that you've updated. And I, you know, they tell you not to use the same password for a bunch of different websites, but I think most people I know have maybe only one or two passwords that they use for those things, unless you're willing to like have a password generator regenerate that and then you save it onto everything. So. Just there's a limit to how many passwords the human mind can can hold, and even apps like password managers they don't necessarily um they're not they're not so secure from hackers that they can't be exploited right so you know I'm thinking maybe Battlestar Galactica had it right when the Galax- the Galactica was this old analog ship that wasn't up to date with you know like the problem with the human fleet was that all of their ships were interconnected and talking to each other all the time <laughs> and that's how the Cylons got them but the Galactica was fine cuz they had analog phones hmm. okay so that was a, that was know, a reach but okay i hear you i hear you no you know it's just everyone not everyone i don't want to say everyone but lots of futurists when they talk about the internet of things they talk about it as if it's this, you know, magical cure for our lives because everything will be so much more convenient. You won't have to think everything will be automatic. But I think this is a huge argument for not giving into that kind of thinking 100% because if we don't think about – if we don't interact with our devices, if we don't have some sort of level of management over them, we're just opening ourselves up to not being able to control what happens when someone maliciously attacks them and then you're just left like without a lifeboat you're just stranded and then you don't even know how to take care of yourself in that circumstance well yeah and i mean this to me plays into the larger i i feel like i just keep coming back to this theme this larger notion of uh blue sky approaches to technology and innovation in technology without kind of like a realistic perspective meaning so when we talk about uber and self-driving cars again everyone wants to talk about how this will be so great and you know it'll be great you know to have a car take you safely from point a to point b and maybe it'll like reduce you know deaths and accidents but again no one's talking about the jobs that are going to be lost you know when people talk about automating call centers when you call up the bank and you want to talk to a human and instead you get a, a a robot and they say, well, why don't you tell me what your problem is? And, you know, why don't you, you know, yeah, elaborate on that? And and you get frustrated. But, you know, after a while, maybe you just submit. And next thing you know, you've been talking to a robot for like 15 minutes. 
that's a human job that's been lost. And similarly, so when we talk about the Internet of Things, it's like we're kind of, you know, putting these things on the Internet and putting them on our home, putting them in our homes as though there's just goodwill out there. Like there are mm-hmm. no malicious actors or if the malicious actors are out there are a tiny, small minority. And, you know, if you just put these things in people's homes and don't work to rigorously secure them, it's OK. No one's going to use that as an access point to bring down the world because it's a great world. And that's not how it is. <laughs> like, you know, like the world is full of like black hat hackers who, you know, and in some case, they're not necessarily black hat. They're just kind of. Uh, pranksters or tricksters or, you know, people who want to experiment and they're willing to make people make a lot of people uncomfortable to, you know, conduct their experiments. Just like everything you're saying. And like and when you brought up the Uber thing, I was just thinking about how reliant we've all become on our smartphones for GPS to the point where I can't not that I can't look at a map and figure out where I'm going. It's just I've be trained myself to be so reliant on that GPS. And then, you know, you're talking about black hat, uh, black hat hackers and people with malicious intent. Like, just think about the, the wide scope of all the, these websites that we rely upon. Like, all those websites that they talk about, at least half of them I went, I go to on a daily basis. And for them to be able to just take them down very quickly using things that we rely upon in our daily lives, you've suddenly become crippled. You've become technologically handicapped. And we're just forgetting all these skills that we used to have. And you're just basically leaving all these people without an ability to function because we've become so dependent on all these technologies. It's not just... You, you sound like a Luddite uh, evangelist, man. <laughs> like, what's no, going but on the thing is, is it, like, the thing <laughs> is, like, these technologies, they make my life so convenient. Mm-hmm. It's just that because we rely on them and we don't necessarily take the measures that we need to to secure it mm-hmm. and and okay. like, protect ourselves okay, from well, it. So I have a question then. Don't, don't hate me for this, but I, I'm sorry. I have to go here. <laughs> Have you changed the password on your router? No, I have not. <laughs> but that's my point. <laughs> that's my point. Like, oh my I God. probably I think oh. the podcast just exploded. No, um, <laughs> I can answer yes to that question. I have because I know that a lot of uh, these kind of devices come with factory default passwords. I immediately uh, changed my password, you know, on my router. And again, and the reason why I'm so certain. That this is something that, you know, most mainstream consumers won't do is that it wasn't just a simple matter. Like I had to like go and find a specific panel through, you know, the manufacturer's website. And it was it was kind of it, it wasn't just like one, two, boom, like, you know, just changing something on your smartphone. It, it took a couple uh, minutes to figure out how to do it and then do it. Now, I felt better about it, but it wasn't a simple process. So let me amend I have changed it from the factory settings. I haven't changed it <laughs> since this uh, since this attack happened. Oh, okay. Well, no. Well, then that that's no. I I think um, most uh, security professionals what they're really advising is that you change it uh, from the factory settings because I think the assumption is that most people leave the factory settings as is. So I think okay. I think I think if yeah. if that's what you did, then you okay. Well, credibility credibility restored. You know, <laughs> you, you eat your, uh, your 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 tech geek cookie. 
Yeah, I even gave my Wi-Fi uh, network a snarky name. That, that, so. that, 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 don't don't say it. Don't say it. There are. I'm not going to say it. It's just snarky. Listening. That's, that's what it is. They're listening. So moving forward, I kind of wonder. I talked to a couple of like people in the in the hacker community and in the security community, and I was asking, I was like, is this the end of like Internet of Things devices? Like, if we can't really secure. Because, again, I don't think we're going to be able to get all these people to be that rigorous about their uh, connected devices, you know, security. If that's the case, like, is this the end? You know, and I think the the consensus is no, because the genies are already out of the bottle with smart devices. Mm. There are just too many people who are excited about these Internet connected devices. But they're also simultaneously not rigorous about their security. So. The consensus, at least from my conversations at this point, uh, appears to be that it's going to have to come from the government forcing the, you know, the technology, the, the manufacturers to institute certain policies that help guard against this kind of thing. Involving government in innovation is never my first desire. <laughs> However, you know, because then things begin to get tricky. However, I mean, in this case, when we know that of the, you know, millions of people using these devices that they're not going to update their security protocols, I don't see what other um, option we have. I, I think I saw a figure saying that um, by 2020, the market value of the Internet of Things space will be in the range of $1.7 trillion. You know, the, the industry is predicting that this is only going to continue to grow. Uh, I mean, we saw the um, you saw the episode of uh, Mr. Robot with the, oh, yeah. uh, the hacking of the smart home. You know, that's terrifying uh, in Mr. Robot. But at least you could comfort yourself by saying Mr. Robot is fiction. But there are so many stories out there in the Internet, if you just search for them, of people who have been unable to control their own houses and like their their smart homes, the thermostats, they're they're just climbing up and trying to cook their owners alive or they reset the power and then they can't get anything to work. It's a pretty interesting example of what could really go wrong. I mean, this isn't it wasn't an example that was similar to the DDoS attack with Mirai because that was more about preventing you getting from getting to certain websites. But if someone were to hack your smart home, I felt like the Mr. Robot episode was a great example of what is possible. Speaking of what's going to happen in the future, so I'm talking to these people. They're all predicting that we're going to see more uh, major interruptions of the Internet in the coming weeks and months. Like the the consensus is that this was just the beginning. That's even more frightening because uh, I believe the U.N. now classifies having Internet access as a human right. So to be able to just take away human rights like that, that's that's just absolutely terrifying. And I don't know if you saw the WikiLeaks tweet about the the attacks where they say um, Mr. Assange is still alive and WikiLeaks is still publishing. We ask our supporters to stop taking down the U.S. Internet. You proved your point. Wow. That terrifies wait, wait. Me. When was that tweeted? That was tweeted out yesterday. That, you know, it's not verifiable that WikiLeaks uh, supporters or anything, you know, had anything to do with that. But I only bring it up because it's terrifying that these people with superior technological ability to the average mainstream person could potentially just do this. In the same way that in Mr. Robot, they take down E-Corp and completely... Um, 
oops, spoilers for season one. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers for season one, uh, like in the same way that at the end of season uh, one of uh, Mr. Robot that they take down E-Corp and completely mobilize banking by, you know, basically erasing the databases and all these digital records that we have of our finances. Like it doesn't take a lot of people, just people with enough skill and who have an agenda and a point to prove that – you know, because we're dependent on the internet, because we're dependent on technology to live our lives now, they can just cripple us in a way. And what defense do we have as normal people with average or slightly above average technical ability? Well, it may be time to, you know, grow facial hair. Not not, not you, <laughs> me. Uh, grow facial hair and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, get on, get on up to the uh, upstate uh, New York, get that cabin going. <laughs> and uh you know hey you know cuz brush I, up your survival skills yeah, yeah i mean um well i mean speaking of technology transforming the very way you live life we want to turn our attention to the season 3 run of netflix's new hit i'm predicting uh preemptively hit black mirror in this world we're also caught up in our own heads it's easy to lose sight of What's real? You said you don't know how much time there is. What does that mean? It's important that you realize there is a small medical procedure involved. Sorry for a game. I didn't expect to find myself living in the future, but here I fucking well am. They filmed me. You ready? And so that's just a quick audio snippet of the new season of Black Mirror. Uh, For those who aren't familiar with the series, it started in the UK on, I believe, Channel 4. And it's a series created by Charlie Brooker. Uh, It's a UK series. Um, I saw I was early on Black Mirror. I started pretty much right when they began airing episodes from the UK. I I don't know how I found the episode somehow. I just you used your your technological prowess Yeah, just through magic. I found the episodes, even though I was in America. I've been a huge fan of Black Mirror from day one Um, as someone who lists the Twilight Zone as one of my life inspirations. It always rubs me the wrong way when, you know, some producer or production house either tries to reboot uh, the Twilight Zone or they try to kind of copy the Twilight Zone. I just feel like it's ill-conceived. I I felt like the Twilight Zone was an original. Rod Serling, uh, the creator of the Twilight Zone, was a genius. Just leave it alone. So this, I feel, is the perfect example of what I'm always hoping for, which is... Uh, something new that's inspired by something from the past, something epic from the past, but it's not a reboot and it's not an attempt to copy it. It's it's clearly inspired by the Twilight Zone, but it is it's its own thing. And uh, the way Black Mirror works, I can't remember for sure. I think the first two seasons were something like three to four mm-hmm. episodes each season. They were like three episodes each, and there was a Christmas special. Right, the Christmas special had John Hamm. That was a great episode. Uh, I believe he was like the first American in the ser- in the whole Black Mirror series. I believe I could be wrong, but I mean the first famous 
you know, celebrity uh, American. I could be wrong, but I think so. Uh, and so there was a lot of in it. There's been a lot of anticipation for the season three uh, run and um, knowing our taste, knowing Netflix's taste, they couldn't just give us like three episodes or four episodes. They gave us a full six. And oh, my God, this is this. I mean, this might be the best run they've had this. I am. I I super binge this, by the way, because it just came out like uh, what? Wait, day 24 or 24 so? hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically, so basically, I swore off all human contact to super binge this show because. A, you know, you know, we got to give the people what they want on the Mars Magazine podcast. And, I, you know, I wanted to make sure I had them all in the bag. And also, I just didn't want to get spoiled. I mean, we are in spoiler mm. country now with social media. Uh, so let's get into it. They, they have six episodes. And I know you only saw a few. So what we're going to do is we're not going to talk spoilers. Uh, we're not going to get deep into the plots because we don't, you know, because it just came out. We don't want to spoil it for you guys out there. But we are going to mention the technologies that are touched upon in each episode because, you know, that's, you know, in case you haven't seen Black Mirror before, what Black Mirror does is they take uh, technology that exists today and they extrapolate forward. Sometimes they extrapolate, you know, maybe just uh, six months to a year forward. Sometimes it's 20 years forward. In any case, what they do is they take technology that exists and they wrap that around uh, amazing stories that tell you kind of what could happen, like what if scenarios. And that's what they did again in season three. So, yeah, my fate, I'm going to say so far, I need to, I think I'm going to watch all six episodes again, which is a pretty big task because, by the way, each episode is an hour long, but they're that good. Uh, so far, I think my favorite episode is the first episode, which is Nosedive, which uh, stars. Huh. Bryce Dallas Howard. I would not have pegged you to have the first episode as your favorite one. Oh, my God. But... I'm going to star you four. I can't believe you said that. <laughs> That's an inside joke. That's an inside joke if you've seen Nosedive. So basically, Nosedive is about a world in which everyone's existence is tied to their social media ranking. And the ranking, your ranking has very real consequences you know, whether you are you have a five-star ranking, a three-star ranking, a two-star ranking, and it impacts everything from, you know, can you get a discount on a car? Can you move into a certain apartment? Uh, can you work at a particular company? Um, will you be invited to this or that party? And what really stood out to me, the reason I'm going to say, aside from the fact that I just I absolutely love Bryce Dallas Howard, I think she's a great actress. Um, she's just She's, I, I just believe her. I believe everything she does. Aside from that, and aside from the, the really great world building, like the way, you know, the actual design of the, the cities and the cars and everything and the outfits and the color palette, aside from all of that being incredibly well done, I thought it was, of all the stories, perhaps the closest to reality. Um, when's the mm -hmm. last time you took an Uber? Two days ago. What this episode does is it, it kind of basically takes the next logical step from what's already happening right now. In case you don't know, I'm assuming a lot of people listening to this, you know, take Uber and some people don't know. Some people do know, but the drivers actually rate you when you ride in an Uber and you know, they, they look at that rating, you know, when they come to get you. And so mm -hmm. 
yeah, sometimes that can influence how you're treated. The most terrifying thing about episode one is that, do you remember that app that uh, it got everyone into a, a tizzy? I forget the name of it because it was a few years ago. But the whole idea was of it was that you could rate people within your social network and just only women could see it. And so all the guys in your social network, you could just basically like Bumble? write long was it Bumble? Uh, not, it's not Bumble. It was something called like Lulu or something like that. I don't think it did particularly well because mm. I haven't seen much news about it since then. But what struck me was that you could basically look up your friends in Facebook, your male friends per se, and then see what every girl who had this app has ever said about them on a date. So I saw a friend of mine and they were like, this dude is super flaky on dates. He flakes out. Don't date him. Uh, he won't split checks and all this sort of stuff. So you could just, it was like weird seeing my friends rated by girls that, you know, had been, that they had dated, um, just totally trashing them. And then you, I think were also encouraged to recommend your your guy friends so that they could get dates and it was just a it was it was really freaky people rating apps that keep trying to come up i think the very fact that they keep trying to come up means that they're going to happen oh, you know and that that's what scared the hell out of me out of uh, about this episode because i just think it's inevitable and and it actually if you kind of look at what's happening on places like instagram uh, in terms of how many likes you have, Twitter, in terms of how many followers you have. I mean, these are real things where people are getting discounts for service, invited to places, just based on their social media rank. Do you, do you remember clout? I was just going to bring that out. <laughs> they tried to monetize this whole thing. They tried to make your human ranking, your social media ranking something that uh, you could trade on. Yeah, and uh, I remember they used to email me like perks. And I mean, they weren't good perks, but they were just trying to get you to use the whole thing. And the one thing that this episode did really well uh, was the idea of it's not just you. It's who's in your network. Who do you like talk to in your network? Who is a prime user uh, of that sort of thing? It's very LinkedIn in that certain way where they're just like you, you're one or two connections away from this person. How can you get your ranking up on Instagram? Well, fill out, not Instagram, sorry. Um, how can you get your ranking up on LinkedIn? Well, fill out this part of your profile. If you fill out this much, like 95%, if you get one recommendation from someone who has a lot of followers, then your ranking will go up and down and you can like pay. And what's really creepy to me about LinkedIn is that when you go on there, there are, you know, some people have these um, testimonials yeah, oh, well, you know, Karen is just a great person, always bright and shiny. I got one and, on mine. You know, yeah, well, that to me, that's kind of creepy because it's just like, you know, what about the people with profiles up there with no recommendations and no kind of like associated follows, well, you know, kind of, you know, there's like on the right side, there's kind of like the associated accounts thing. And, you know, this episode freaked me out. It made me sad. I'm surprised that it made you sad because I thought, um, at least of the episodes I've seen so far, I thought it was one of the, the happier ones. It like had a real sense of like punchy humor. There's bright candy colors. It was, um, the teleplay was written by Rashida Jones and, um, Michael Schurer, who was, uh, you know, one of the writers for Parks and Rec. So there was a definite comedy element to it. Yeah, there was some comedy, but that was some dark comedy, <laughs> man. I mean, good God. I mean, Again, we're not going to spoil the episode. We're not going to tell you what happens. But there is a certain point where the main character, Bryce Dallas Howard, 
encounters varying, let's just say varying people, people with varying ratings. And I think that's when things begin to get interesting. So, I mean, we don't want to spend too much time on just one episode. So let's move on to episode two, Play Test, Mm. which was directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who used to do the Totally Rad Show podcast, of which I was a fan. And he directed the very well-received 10 Cloverfield Lane. And so this episode was, I'm going to say, virtual reality and gaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much virtual reality and gaming. Um, I guess some sort of weird version of augmented reality as well. Yeah, no, no. You know what? You're right. It was augmented reality. Yeah, you're right. Well, it, it's kind of a weird mix. But without giving like too much of the plot away, because we're talking about the technology, like there's something that plugs into his brain and there's something that gets uploaded and he's kind of easy. easy. Like, are, are we giving it giving too much? Is that too no, much? No, I don't think that's giving too okay, much because it's yeah. in the trailer. So, you know, like things get uploaded and he's it, it looks like it's augmented reality. But there is there is a kind of a virtual element to it. So I'm not surprised that, you know, like at first I was thinking virtual as well. But one thing that struck me when in that particular episode is uh when the creator of that technology calls it a neural like i think a neural net and it just uh (laughs) it like flashed me back to our good buddy (laughs) you know we talk about him every week it almost seems like uh elon musk uh when he talks about neural lace this seems to be an idea that's not only rooted in science fiction but also in how you know real life tech tech visionaries view how we're going to juice up our brains some sort of lace or network that like gets implanted into our brain physically that alters our cognition so that that particular aspect kind of freaked me out when i was watching playtest before we keep going just one more reminder uh we're not discussing plot details but if you don't even want to hear uh, what the technologies are, which is all we're discussing. Again, spoilers for the technologies involved in the latest episode or the latest season of Black Mirror. So episode three was Shut Up and Dance. And I thought that was cool because it really didn't deal with new technology mm. so much as it dealt with how we use current technology. And it was basically all around blackmail, online blackmail. And you know what I took away from it? Hmm. Mr. Robot, hide your freaking webcam. Just don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just I remember, yeah, there's yeah, there's a part where the webcam essentially compromises a user, we'll say, you know, computer user. And I just remember watching that thinking, really? I mean, this this guy, you know, he seems sort of the, the guy in the episode. He seems sort of geeky. Why does he not? Why is his webcam open? I don't get it. So you know, um, recently I've seen more, more and more people just actually in my life who are not Mr. Robot uh, fans. They've begun to like take tape and tape it over their webcam. <laughs> I love it. Do you realize like, how much ridicule I've suffered over the years because <laughs> I've been doing this all along? You know, I saw my other friend the other day, and she. Do you know what washi tape is? Washi. Oh, is that Japanese? Yeah, it's like the. It's like decorative tape with very beautiful Japanese um right. patterns on it, and it's right. kind of made of paper, so it's not like Scotch tape. She has like this beautiful washi tape <laughs> over her her. Um, webcam because it it's not so bad and it's not as adhesive that it's going to ruin your camera if you want to take it off. But she's like, if I'm going to cover it up from hackers, it might as well be beautiful. And episode four is titled San Junipero, which stars our good friend 
from Halt and Catch Fire. What's her name again? Mackenzie Davis. And um, she's also star, uh, also starring in that episode is Gugu Mbethara. She's a wonderful UK actress. Uh, she's been in a bunch of things. Um, I forgot the name of the movie that she stars in, but it's it's a period drama. You should you should watch it. It's about a black woman who's adopted by a white aristocratic family and totally on a tangent. But you should watch that movie. It's great. Uh, mm. But yeah, what's that? What's the name of that again? I think it's it's Bell Bella Bella Bella. Okay, like that. all right. And so Mackenzie Davis from one of my favorite shows, Halt and Catch Fire. I don't think it's a spoiler. I'm I'm assuming this is in the trailer. You know, we see them in this kind of period uh, environment, like in the 80s, and we quickly learn that it's, uh, well, is this a spoiler? I guess we just have to say it, right? Yeah. spoilers for episode four, but not big spoilers, tiny spoiler. So it turns out that they're actually in virtual reality. I feel like if we say anything more than that, we'll be spoiling it. But it is an amazing take on virtual reality. And it's a close, it's, I mean, you know, Nosedive episode one is my my favorite, but San Junipero is, is close. Well, uh, I've only seen part of San Junipero because I did not have as much um, willpower and strength and power as you did to binge power all binge. of it power in binge. 24 hours. I um, must power binge! <laughs> But um, from the I've seen about half of the episode so far. And from what I've seen of it, it I think it's going to be my favorite episode of the of the season. I'm just going to call it. I don't know. There could be some really great stuff in episodes five and six that totally changes my mind. But in terms of the feel and how they incorporate the technology and the really wonderful and poignant way they seem to be uh, handling virtual reality. I think this is going to be my favorite episode. Well, no. Allow me to uh, perhaps disabuse you of those beliefs by giving you a hint at what's coming in episode five and six. So as the power binger that I am who has put in that power binge work, uh, episode five, Men Against Fire, is really, really good. It, I think it goes kind of like to sci-fi roots. You know, films like Aliens, like, you know, the sequel to Alien, Aliens, uh, Starship Troopers. I don't want to name too many films because I don't want to give away too much of what's happening. But what I can say, it's it's mostly about military technology. But what happens is it gets kind of political and it's a great, I would say, parable on human nature. So episode five, Men Against Fire, um, it's... A military technology tale. Uh, episode six is titled Hated in the Nation, which, man, I love that title. Uh, I had no idea what it was going to be about. Uh, I won't get too deep into it. I'm going to say it's probably like they're all well shot. But this really looked, you know, I'm a huge UK television series and film lover. And this really looked like one of the high end. I mean, they all look good, to be clear. But this this last one looked like a high end uh, UK television show. It, it seemed like something that almost should be a series. Um, Hated in the Nation, drones. That's all Ooh. I'll say. Drones, crazy, crazy, crazy drones that are uh, that do many things good things and bad things mm. so i'll leave it at that um so what we should touch on before we begin to wrap up is just what 
Black Mirror does differently from, let's say, if someone produced this series here in the States. What really jumped out at me watching every episode, and again, these were all different directors, different writers, different actors. It's not like, you know, uh, uh, American Horror Story where they kind of have like all the same actors and, you know, they just kind of switch roles. No, there's like completely different actors, a huge cast. It's really diverse. It's it's amazingly diverse and not just on a racial front, but on the gender front. You, mm. There are many roles that I would say in normal situations, in normal films, in normal television shows would likely have a male lead character and most likely a white male lead. But whatever the race, generally a male lead character. And what I notice is like many of the roles that would normally be taken by a man were taken by a woman. Did this stand out to you? Is that just me? No, it definitely stood out to me. And in some ways kind of amplified the story like uh san junipero um that is a story about two women and how they connect over you know a virtual reality life i could have easily seen that particular story as not having two women as the protagonists but because they do it just adds this different kind of patina to the to how the story plays out and just a different level of like emotional uh, awkwardness in the beginning, but also like tenseness and and I just I just love that it's two women in that. And thinking back on it, I, I kind of think it's really perfect that Mackenzie Davis was put in that, given her work on uh, *Halt and Catch Fire*. It just fits. Not to kind of get off the topic of the diversity of gender and everything. I, all I thought was, you know, I love Mackenzie Davis. She's awesome. How about we just trap her in the 80s for everything <laughs> she does from now on? Like she her the rule with her is all new jobs, whatever the new movie is, it has to be in the 80s. Cuz it was just really weird. It was like, "Oh my god." Like I wonder if she's thinking herself like, "Okay, guys, hello pe- folks, can I get out of the 80s?" I mean, <laughs> it was it was kind of funny. I wouldn't be surprised if her work in Halt and Catch Fire was um, you know, wasn't the thing that got her this because you know a lot of the actors who they've who they've tapped not all of them but a lot of them kind of have somewhat of a history in sci-fi type work or they've done it before it's not like the first time we've seen Bryce Dallas Howard in something that's vaguely science uh, fiction related oh she um, was in the latest Jurassic Park film exactly um uh, what's her, uh Gugu Mbatha Raw she was just cast in uh, De- uh Ava DuVernay's A Wrinkle in Time which is like sci-fi classic children's book uh film uh now the film version of that so it's not like they're yeah i think there is a reason why she was picked for that particular role aside from you know the fact that she looks really great in 80s clothing did you get to the part where she's trying all these different outfits on yes yes oh my god how cool did she look when she did the um uh addicted to love outfit do you remember that yeah she looked she looked so good and and she wow. looked great and everything. She, she looked great and everything, yeah. But there's like um the classic 80s song, uh, Robert Palmer, Addicted to Love. She's trying on all these different outfits, these 80s style outfits. And one of the outfits is one of the backup singer players in Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love video. And she looks like she basically should not be in 2016. She should be <laughs> in the 80s. She 100% looks like she's someone straight out of the 80s. It was amazing. When I saw all this, it immediately made me think, okay, so 
is this on purpose? Like, is this, is there some strategy going on here? So I started looking around and I actually found an article on the Daily Beast where Charlie Brooker actually talks about the casting. And he says, quote, I was conscious that previously we had a lot of male protagonists on the show. I remember thinking, well, what happens if I just default to female leads for a while and see what happens? I also don't tend to comment on race and things that I do because I think it would be kind of patronizing. It's more interesting to not do that, to have the most, to have the most diverse casting you can get. I don't tend to specify the race of characters. I quite often swap the gender of characters as well. So he, so that's what I really like about the show, the producer. He's thinking about these things because this is a new world. I mean, if you're going to get... It's really weird when you watch a science fiction anthology that's all about the future and some other science fiction anthology that's all about the future and pushing boundaries and bending your mind and thinking in new ways. And then all the characters look alike. <laughs> like they don't represent like this vast tapestry of humanity that we have on this planet. So I, yeah, I applaud him for thinking like that. And I have to say, like, as I went through the season, as I watched each episode, it began to wash over me that there were so many female leads. And I, and I, you know, I feel like I generally am okay. You know, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a Ripley guy, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, I think one of our early episodes, we uh, actually brought listeners to Sigourney Weaver's talk for the anniversary of the Alien fa- franchise. So, you know, I'm all in on that kind of stuff, but it really began to wash over me watching uh, the new season of Black Mirror that we don't have enough of this. This is I it was refreshing to see so many female leads. It just was. Woohoo. But, you know, to your to your point, I think you can just look at the title of the series and kind of get a sense of that because, um, you know, it's Black Mirror. And to me, when I was thinking about the title and thinking about all the things that you were saying is that what this anthology series does so well is that it reflects us um, like the issues that like, of course, it's a little fantastical. It's a little, uh, you know, fictionalized. It's set kind of in the near future, not necessarily where we are now. Um, that's not like true. That's not a blanket statement of truth, but in general, it's reflecting us as a society. And I think by calling it black mirror, it's kind of showing us like a twisted version of what we could be, because I do think even in episodes like nosedive, where there's a comedic element to it, it, it is showing us some of our ugliness as a society. So just, you know, as a reflection of who we are now as a society in terms of where we're going, where we're going in progressive um, representation and diversity and all of that. It's really beautiful to see that not only reflected in the title, but in the episode itself. And look, I love America. God bless America. I'm in America <laughs> right now. But I have to say the thing that also st- stood out for me was that this is a British guy. And a British show, a show with, you know, British DNA. And it, it seems like it's taking this show to, you know, I mean, it's easy to, you know, watch some show on network TV, CBS, something like that. And, you know, see, you know, some character, black, Hispanic, Asian, maybe some woman is inhabiting a role that the networks generally put a man in or whatever. And, you know, you'll see that piecemeal here and there. But often it feels kind of like it's maybe forced or kind of like, you know, hey, look, we're doing service here somehow. I don't know. That's just my, you know, you don't have to co-sign, but that's just kind of my knee jerk sometimes. This really, a lot of this just felt organic. I mean, we have a black woman 
in uh, playtest speaking Japanese. And, you know, here's the weird thing. I'm sure some people are going to watch that and, and say, okay, yeah, well, hey, guess what? I know several black women who look just like that woman in the episode who speak great Japanese. You know, it's just it, there's a bunch of stuff that happens in these episodes that really – uh, you generally don't see in American, well, particularly Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's 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 just refreshing, and I feel it's, it's just really weird that this came from the UK. And I hope that on some level, you know, we we're kind of like in this renaissance of, I guess, after that whole Oscars so white thing happened, <laughs> we're kind of like in this Hollywood renaissance, and so we have like all these shows, uh, Master of None. Um, we have uh, Atlanta by um, Donald Glover. We have um, what is it? Uh, Insecure on HBO. The the Get Down. We have, well, no, that's kind of like just a one off, I guess. But yeah, I guess the Get Down would qualify. I'm thinking more of like a uh, series. Oh, we have Luke Cage. You know, you that have The was Walking like a big Dead. One. The Walking Dead has a pretty diverse cast as well. Yeah, they're pretty good on that. I mean, again, like I feel like they're kind of at the forefront of this stuff. So, but it's really weird though when you look at the big Hollywood films. Though it still seems like you know there's this gap, and it looks like cable television, cable dramas, uh, are basically ahead of the game, and Hollywood is still trying to catch up. I mean, look at Netflix. Well, here's your chance. You can talk about uh, Matt Damon. Right now, <laughs> you want to want to go in? <laughs> you know? Oh boy, him, him, oh, is, yeah. him, and his comments at New York Comic Con are just like okay. <laughs> Wait, what did he say at New York Comic Con? Oh, um, he's like, I don't understand why people are upset about the Great Wall at all, which is kind of like you know, um, regardless of what your feelings about the Great Wall and casting in that blah 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 blah, I think it's a little kind of come on, Maddie. Come on, you can you can understand why some people are upset, even if that wasn't your intent. Like to just be like, I don't get it at all is just a little. It's yeah, but that on. well, yeah, that's a whole other can of worms that we may get into in a future episode. But bottom line is, Charlie Brooker has come to America with Black Mirror, and I think from every level, whether it's uh, storytelling, production value. Uh, just fascinating stories, casting, everything. I think he's, you know, given it to American filmmakers. <laughs> I mean, he's really brought it here. And I'm happy. I was very worried that um, the Netflix version of the show might, you know, somehow be watered down or maybe they would pull back a bit. Not at all. If you're if you already know Black Mirror, have no fear. It is just as strong as it has as it ever was, if not stronger. Uh, so I'm hoping we get more from Charlie Brooker. I hope he doesn't let up. And I hope more American uh, film and television creators take a page from his book because what he's doing is really amazing. It's reflecting us as we are now and as we will be. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. And with that, we will call an end to this episode of the Mars Magazine podcast. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to the podcast. We ask that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, stitcher or google play and um leave a comment leave a rating o only good ratings please uh if you have a bad rating uh, <laughs> no can, trolls yeah you can send uh actually i'll give out my email if you want to send a message you can email me at adariostrange at gmail.com 
Um, we'll, I'll try to get us a show email soon. And if you do send a note to that email, uh, be sure to give your name and your location so we can kind of know where you're coming from and, you know, give you, uh, give you a shout out on the show. This has been a Dario Strange with Big Song. And we will see you in the future. I was powerful.